If you take your Bible, you can turn with me at page 1253 in your pew Bible. Or if you're carrying your own Bible, you can look and we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17 this morning as we continue on in this series we've been looking at what it is to be in union with Christ Jesus, which is an extraordinary thing to think, Jesus Christ in us, the hope of glory, to be one with him, fulfilling the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before he is crucified, over and over asking the Father that we might be one with him and that we might know the love that they shared between themselves. And this is the great mystery that God has fulfilled in Christ Jesus for all those who believe. So this is going to be an exciting thing to consider as we look at this uh, little letter from Colossae in these few verses. So let me read that to you, but before we do, let me pray. Father, we do thank you for this uh, good day. God, a day that we're alive, living and moving, having our being in you. God, we thank you for the way that you've tended to us, God, the way that you love us, have shown us mercy and have brought us safely to this time, God, this place. And we're asking God to meet with you. We pray, Lord, that your word that you've inspired, God, that you've breathed out by your spirit might be breathed into us, that it might even become part of who we are, God, written on the tablet of our hearts, that we would be, as the apostle said, letters to be read by other people, God, by the way that we speak and the things that we do the attitudes that we hold. God, we know this is a high calling. We know we're incapable of it in and of ourselves. That's why we desire, Lord, not only to live out the union that we have with Christ Jesus, but to understand it more fully, God. So we pray that you'd come give grace, give mercy today, God. Make this time rich in the knowledge of your presence. May your truth transform us. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we have this tremendous exhortation to respond to God. You know, God says a lot of things indicative in his word. He speaks a lot of facts, a lot of truth over us. And what he's done in Colossians as well as in a lot of the other letters that he writes is everything that, that we have been called to be has already been provided for us in Christ Jesus. And so he uses this term over and over in his letters. I've read that there's like 83 times in his writings that Paul uses this phrase with the preposition, in Christ. So everyone who has believed the Father's report of the Son has been placed in Christ. Then it talks about being things done through Christ or for Christ in us or that Christ being above us. So there's all this prepositional stuff that points us toward the reality of God's purpose for us. So if you flip all the way back to the first of the Bible, you see this, this purpose that God has. It says God decided to create man and woman in his image. And when he did that, we get this kind of an expanded version in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. It says that God made man from the dirt, from the clay of the ground. Remember reading that? So it's kind of like, you know, God's not anthropomorphic. He doesn't have hands like we have hands. But so we can understand what's going on. It says that God reached down in the paradise. He scooped up this clay and he formed this puppet. You ever, you ever play with clay when you were a kid? My wife still fashions stuff with clay. She's pretty artistic, you know. But you ever play with clay? I made some really beautiful figurines when I was in the fourth grade. 
And, and my older daughter's got them now on her mantle. That's like a, you know, place of honor. I got this one little fat guy. And then I got a dog that looks kind of like a rhino. And so I made these, I fashioned these things. Well, God fashioned a human being. And, he, and, he, and they was laying there, you know, but it was corpse-like. But then it said God breathed into that corpse. And man became a living being. God imparted his spirit into Adam and into Eve, and the plan was that that spirit would be imparted generation after generation after generation as those kids were born, as they multiplied and filled the earth. God's purpose was not just to be close to us. His purpose was to live in us by his spirit. Peter talks about that being partaking of the divine nature. Isn't that something to think about? That those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ partake of the divine nature. That almost sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Because we know there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's almost as if Peter's saying, and then there's God the Bride. That God makes us partakers of his own nature as we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by giving us his spirit in fulfillment, his spirit in fulfillment of what Jesus said. Another will come. I'll send another, a teacher, a comforter, a counselor. He'll come and be with you. We'll take up residence inside of you. And so really our salvation is all about the reality of going back to first things first. God desires to reinstate this union that he has. And so this is why Jesus comes. God looked on the earth after the fall, you know. And he comes looking for Adam and Eve. Isn't that a great picture? Comes looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam! Adam, where are you? And when he finds him, Adam says, well, I was right over here, God, but I'm really afraid. I'm really afraid. He said, what's wrong? He said, hey, we, we blew it. We sinned. We turned away from you. We didn't love you with a whole heart, with all that we are and with all that we have. We didn't love you with everything we've got, God, and we, we found ourselves naked. And so we, we made these really cool clothes. Look, God. They're made out of fig leaves. That's got to chafe, doesn't it? Don't you think a fig leaf's going to chafe? You know, it starts to dry. You know, it's like, whoa, that's really uncomfortable. What we do cannot fit the bill of what God's plan, his purpose for us is. We can't clothe ourselves the way that God wants us to. We can't put on ourselves what God wants us to have. He wants to be in us. And we're trying to keep him away by covering ourselves up with what the... Prophet says are filthy rags, trying to clothe ourselves with our own works. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing. They were trying to cover up. They knew something was wrong. They knew things weren't right. They didn't understand maybe the concept of sin, really, but they knew they had done something wrong, and they found themselves naked, and they were ashamed. And God comes looking for them. Praise God, he comes looking for them. So God looks on the earth after this fall, and you know what he, what he had to do is he had to kill an animal. And I, and I think about that sometimes, especially when I'm reading back through Genesis chapter 3, because... Adam had named all these animals, probably knew whatever this animal was. There had to be a shedding of blood. God had to provide clothing. God's the only one that can provide the clothing that we need in order to be associated, to be affiliated with him. But that's still not enough. He wants to be in us. He wants to dwell inside of us. You know, a lot of times we talk about having a relationship with Jesus. How, how precious is that to know that we can call upon him and talk to him? But even more precious, even more powerful is really that God says, I want to live in you. I don't want to be just across the room. I don't want to be in the chair across from you. I, I will occupy that. But I want you to understand I want to live inside of you. I want to be in you. I want you to be one with me. One with me. What an astounding calling. What an astounding purpose to be created for. And so God provides that. But he sends all these prophets. He establishes his law so people can, can relate to him. But he's, he's not until the fullness of time does he send the real solution. Because it wasn't enough to have the law and the prophets. Wasn't enough, was it? 
Jesus had to fulfill those. He had to, to do everything that they said. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough just to, to have our sins covered. God said, I want to get inside. I want to be with you. I want to be one with you. And so God begins to, to unfold this great work in Christ Jesus. And he becomes incarnate. The reason that we can be in union with Christ is because Christ identified totally with us. He took on our nature. I like this. I, I was going to read this to you, but you can, you can read it on your own. And in Judges chapter 6, there's this episode. Gideon's one of my favorite Old Testament characters, you know. In chapter 6, he's, he's gone through this work of killing his, killing his father's oxen and burned as a sacrifice on the, the backyard idol. That was a hard thing to do. He did it under cover night because he was afraid. God called him to do it, but he was afraid. that he did that, all the idol worshipers in the neighborhood would come down on his head. But he goes ahead and does it. And when he does it, it says the Spirit of God, this is verse 34 of Judges chapter 6, it says the Spirit of God came and clothed himself with Gideon. Isn't that a cool picture? Isn't that a cool picture to think about the Spirit of God, you know? Because really we're put-offs and put-ons. Our clothes make the man, don't they? Look at Blake, man. Look at that guy right there. See? Clothes make the man. This is $29.95 from Steinmark. <laughs> but clothes make the man, don't they? They make the man. Well, so Jesus puts on our nature. By the Holy Spirit, he clothes himself. That's what we have to do. We're called to be put-offs and put-ons, you know. So I have to put off the old. You have to put on the new. This one was probably more than $29.95. I bought it for Andy. <laughs> Your demand, Andy. Look at that. Yeah, did you ever have to use your... Your big sister's or big brother's clothing when you were growing up? I had a big sister, so fortunately I didn't have to wear hand-me-downs. <laughs> but, but my girls had to wear my, didn't have to, but they were generous enough to give them to my, my two girls because they were three years and six years behind them, and so they got my niece's clothes. And they were nice clothes. We need them because I pastored a small church, and, and we were barely in clothes. And so we, we, they wore these hand-me-down clothes. Well, we're really... We've received hand-me-down righteousness in Christ Jesus. In union with him, we've received an alien righteousness. It doesn't belong to us. And it's really too big for us. It's huge, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is infinite. And we're called to grow up into him who is the head. You and I are called to mature in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a, that's a lot of work. But look at this, man. It's nothing compared to growing up into Christ Jesus. But because Jesus has taken our flesh on, because he was incarnate, because he descended, because he condescended to wear a robe of flesh, we can be assured that we will grow up into who he is. We will grow up into Christ Jesus. It is the purpose of God to dwell in us. And God's got to kick out the jams. He's got to remove the restrictions. He's got to penetrate everything. He's got to grow us up. And it's his working that does that. The good work that he begins in us, he will bring to completion on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because God's at work in here, both the will and the work for his good pleasure until we see Jesus face to face and we're just like him. Isn't this an amazing calling? God wants to be in union with us. He doesn't want to just be beside us. He doesn't just want to walk with us. He wants to get in us. He wants to live through us. In fact, the church is the incarnation of Jesus in the earth each generation. We are putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are taking him to the streets. We are portraying what he is and who he is. He's full of love and joy and he speaks the truth. He is God and he dwells in those who have called upon the name of Jesus. 
and realizing this. I can imagine how excited Paul was because it's so exciting to think about, wow, access to everything that belongs to Jesus. And it's not just way up there at the right hand of the Father. It's in here by the Holy Spirit. How exciting. No wonder his grammar got kind of crazy in Ephesians and Colossians because he was writing at speed going, wow, this this is so fantastic. And even he himself admitted, I've not yet attained to that, but man, I'm going for it. What are you going for? What am I going for? I don't want to fill out this 58. Andy doesn't even anymore. Yeah. I don't want to fill this out, but I want to fill up what God's called me to be. He's called me to be a son, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. To be an incarnation of the kingdom of God where I live with my wife, my kids. Boy, that's exciting. That is a, that's astonishing. We've got some big shoes to fill here. I'm talking big. <laughs> This, this is a big shoe, isn't it? But fortunately, fortunately, got a little tissue paper in the toe. So, yeah. That's a big shoe. We're to, we're to step in and to walk where Jesus calls us to walk. We're to put Jesus on. We're to grow up into who he is. This is, this is just amazing, isn't it? It's astounding. That he's provided these clothes. We've got our big brother's clothes. I was reading J.I. Packer one time. He said, you know, he said, I read the book of common prayer. And when you read the book of common prayer, you go, man, these guys could pray. They were prayers. And he said, when I read those, I feel like a little child putting on our big brother's clothes. Because they're so far beyond me. The depth of what they see, the things that they say about themselves and that they know about God, it's so far out there compared to where I'm at. But he said, I keep praying him. I want to grow up into that knowledge of God. I want to grow up into Jesus. You do too. If Christ is in you, the hope of glory, you're wanting to grow. And sometimes we set that aside. And we don't pursue it because we get interested in something else or it gets sticky or whatever. But God's having us do this in this environment of the church, in this environment of the world. He's having us grow up into Christ Jesus where he places demands upon us. But you know, God never demands anything from us that he hasn't first deposited in us. This is the good news, isn't it? That God says, listen, here's some things I want you to do. I've given you the indicatives. This is who, this is, this is who you are. You're in Christ Jesus. You're one with me. You are together with me in this thing, in this life. I've shared all I've got with you. You're a partaker of my divine nature. But I want you to grow up. I want you to grow up into it. And so I'm going to put you in positions. I'm going to put you in situations. I'm going to call forth what I've placed in you. So I kind of look at it this way. I've thought over this in the years, you know. When, when you put money in the bank, and some people still write checks. They might, most people use debit cards maybe. But you put money in that bank and then you draw on that account, don't you? And God has deposited in us his own nature by the Holy Spirit. And he comes to write a check on that. He's not asking us for something he hadn't given us. He's not asking us to love. He's not saying you must forgive without first forgiving us thoroughly, completely, and forever. He never asks us to do something that he's not already given us to do. And so in Colossians, we read this, that being in union with Christ Jesus, we can expect to grow. We can expect difficulty to come our way. We can expect people to offend us so that we learn to forgive. Isn't that something? Now, I was talking in Sunday school about being in the church, which is one of my favorite analogies that Martin Luther makes. He says, you know, the church is like Noah's Ark. And they said, if the storm outside was not so bad, you could not stand the stench inside. 
Isn't that a, what an observation he made there? That life in the church sometimes is not very good. Y'all look around, you see some, see some people from time to time that leave the fellowship because they take on someone else's offense or they get offended themselves and they go. And instead of forgiving, instead of letting love cover a multitude of sins, they walk away from the game. But they're going to walk into the same situation in the next place they go. Someplace else in life, they're going to walk into that same situation until that 28th trip around the mountain. They say, okay, God, I give. I will learn to forgive. I will learn to let my love, your love in me that you're calling upon, I'll learn to let that cover a multitude of sins because that's what God does with us, isn't it? So, my, you know, my favorite story in the Bible, because of my own particular history, is, is uh, one is the one that Murray wrote about Zechariah showing up in the presence of God and having to get clothed. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? But God clothes him and then says, if you'll do these things, you can rule with me. But he calls out what he's put in him. But I like the, I like the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. This guy comes home after being gone for a long time, willfully abandons his dad, takes what doesn't really belong to him, goes out, spends it all. And then when he's done, undone in himself, he comes back home. And he's thinking of how broken he is, and he's humbled himself. And he thinks, man, I'm not worthy. You know, I'm not worthy to come home, but I have no place else to go. You know, I'm going back. And when he gets there and his dad receives him and kisses him and hugs him, he's got to be smelling awful. He's been on the road. And then he clothes him with this robe. Well, underneath that robe is the same old road smell, the same old campfire stench, you know, the same urine-soaked clothes smell, all the stuff that homeless people get, the people that go camping or go out for a long time on their own. Everybody gets that smell. And this young man still smells that way, but he's covered in his father's robe. And this is the way it is with us. God has covered us, but even more than that, he's clothed himself in us. He's in us by the Holy Spirit. And so then he begins to call out to us, call out of us what he's placed in us. And this is what Paul is talking about in this passage, is that this has been done for us. So listen to this again. He says, forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. What a sticky point. What a sticky point. As soon as we quit forgiving, then it's like we're putting a cork in our lives. We're not going to receive mercy from God any longer because God says, hey, you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. How much does Jesus emphasize this? He even puts it in the Lord's Prayer, and then he gives commentary. Jesus gives footnotes to that particular phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. How often we get stuck, we get high-centered on that, we're offended. And offenses are bound to come. Woe to those by whom they come, but they're still going to come. Offenses are going to come. We had to forgive. We've been forgiven. And so we think, we think back. How can we do these things? We remember what God has done. What's the indicative? You have been forgiven. You have been received back home. You have been enrobed and you have been indwelt. You are mine. Now you must forgive. You must release others just as you've been released. Don't hold that. Because the church, the first, just like the front bumper of the church's expedition is this. Mercy is with God in Christ. Mercy is with God in Christ. So we have to be merciful. We have to hold that out to people. They have to know that mercy is available. We can't make them take it, but we have to offer it. We always have to be walking in a sense with an olive branch in the front of us. Because we're going to be offended. You know, we're going to be offended. You ever been offended deeply? Sure you have. If you haven't, you're not old enough, you can just wait around a couple of days. You know? You'll be offended deeply. You'll be offended deeply. But we are those who imitate Jesus because he's in us, just like Stephen did when he was being stoned. Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
People that are caught in sin, people that are deep in the roots, rooted in sin, they don't know what they're doing. They're insane, literally. They're insane. They don't know the truth. But we are the truth, and we're giving that. Above all, put on love. So here we have this, this great clothing we're putting on love. That's everything. That's the epitome, isn't it? That's the epitome. And so Paul breaks that down in Galatians chapter 5, and he talks about what that looks like, and he writes about it again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, man, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails because it's God, and it's God in us. His love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us, and that love will not disappoint because of the hope that God has given us based on the promise that we started with, that what he began in us, what he clothed us with, He's going to complete, and we're going to grow up into the likeness of Christ Jesus. And you've got to do it in community. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in which, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Man, that's what, that's what ought to be in our minds, isn't it? You know, I'm really thankful about, about 40 years ago I got involved with the Navigators. I was, that was really a blessing that God brought into my life. And I started memorizing Scripture. And I can't, I, can't even, I can't even tell you how many times Scripture, have, I think literally kept me from going insane. I believe that. I think literally it's kept me from going over the edge sometimes. Because, you know, if they were going to diagnose me, they'd say I'm a manic depressive. But God has just kept me off of that. He's kept me off of that. It's because of his word. So valuable, so precious, the word of God. Heavens and the earth are going to pass away. But the word of God will abide forever. And it'll abide in us. And as we fill our minds and our hearts with that, what is so good about coming to church, really, you know? Hearing God's Word, singing God's Word, praying God's Word. God's Word is powerful, living, active. And it's in us by the Holy Spirit. The author is resident. What an amazing thing. So let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Get charismatic. Right? All that means is be gifted. We're gifted. And so we sing the praises of God. We speak the truth of God. We prophesy. That's all prophecy is, is speaking the truth of God, encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day drawing near, and we grow up at the same time we're doing all that. We just keep growing. Whatever you do. So here's the, here's the key to this. It really undergirds and wraps all this around in love. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Man, that's growing up, isn't it? Think about Jesus, all that he did, everything that he did, he was always brought down to this one premise, I will glorify my Father in what I do. And that's what he says when he prays in John 17, I have glorified you, and now I'm going to the cross, and I will glorify you fully. So Jesus always was about his Father's business. We're growing up into that likeness, where all that we do is to glorify God. We go into toot and totem. We give Greg our money. You know? But we're doing it to glorify God. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't it be something we thought that way? If, it, if we thought that way, when we get to heaven, that's all we'll think about is how, how can I glorify God? How can I enjoy him more and enjoy and worship him forever? But even now, we're in that training. We're growing up in that to be grateful. So my wife has just hammered on me graciously over the last five, eight years. We've got to learn how to be grateful. We've got to learn how to thank God for what we have. We've got to be grateful in all things. We've got to give thanks. We are forgiven 
We are loved. We are clothed in the robe of our elder brother. He is residing with us, never to leave us and never to forsake us. We have to be thankful. Even when we're offended, we must be thankful. Even when life is costly, we have to be thankful because our destiny is so great. And our Father has said, I will complete this work in you. We have to be grateful. Man, wouldn't that change? Well, that'd be heaven, won't it? That'll be heaven when everyone is grateful. It's not going to happen here, but you and I, you and I, we are the incarnation of thankfulness to the Father because of his love with us. Jesus was always grateful to the Father. And if you read between the lines just a little bit, he didn't have it that easy, did he? Paul was learning to be grateful, to be thankful, to be content in all things. He was learning that. He said, man, I'm pressing in to know that. And he calls us to cooperate in union with Christ because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Not something so, so much outside of us, but the reality of Christ in us. That's deep calling to deep, man. I mean, that is deep calling to deep. The Spirit of God in us calling to the Son at the right hand of the Father. Talk about a prayer chain, unbroken, incapable of being broken. Because Jesus has died for us, he lives for us, and he lives in us. You know, there's a song back in the 90s, uh, Where There Is Faith. Where there is faith, there is a peace like a child sleeping, hope everlasting in him who is able to bear every burden to heal every hurt in my heart. There is a wonderful, powerful place where there is faith. This is the gateway. This is the open door to all that the Father has for us is believing what Paul has written to us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in you. Love one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. And do it all in thankfulness. Saints, that's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to do. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for... God, your great, great patience with us and the calling upon our lives. God, you call us chosen and holy ones. God, you have clothed us in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray we'd put on the writs, God. We would realize that it's the clothing of Jesus that makes us who we are. It's not we ourselves. God, we know there's a lot wrong with us, in us, even among us. But God, you have taken us in. You have welcomed us. You have sealed us and made us your household. God, we give thanks for this. We give you thanks for this, God, that you are so tender. And yet again, Lord, we remember the tenacity of your love cannot be broken. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, even though we're considered a sheep to be slaughtered? No, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And for this, we give you thanks, Father. We thank you for that great love. God, we open our hearts even to know more of it. We pray for the strength of your spirit, God, to know more of the love of Jesus. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name.